The dash is digi, the schedule busy, my head in a hoodie, my shorty a goodie, my cousins are crazy, my cousins like boogie, life is amazing, it is what it should be, been here for 10 but I feel like a rookie, I tell her look up cause it's snowing in tussies, but for three years man you can't even book me, it's me and little baby that going crazy. Live from Murray Hill, Manhattan, you are now listening to Space with Spo. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a very special guest with us here today. He is a professional basketball player and one of the most legendary Kansas basketball players of all time. From Hoboken, no joking, New Jersey, please give a very warm welcome Sir. to the one and only Tyshawn Taylor. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Look, you can't really hear the fans, but the fans are going crazy for you I, right now, Tyshawn. I know, right? Ooh, 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 ooh. How you doing? How you been? Um, I've been great, man. I can't complain. Um. Last year's COVID was kind of crazy. It set me down for probably the longest time I've ever sat down without having to play basketball. So I got to be a dad. I got to do stuff that I really haven't got a chance to do because I'm always traveling and hooping. Um, so it was a little bit of a blessing in disguise for me. Um, but other than that, man, I'm just taking it easy, just kind of trying to figure out what's next, I guess. I, I probably got three, four, five more good basketball years left and then maybe coaching or something like that. So just trying to figure it out, taking it easy, being a dad and chilling out. Incredible. Yeah. When Corona happened, you know, I got to kind of take a step back too and be like, okay, you know, now I have some time to relax and actually figure out what I want to do in life. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. Same for me. So now question, we're both actually, so Tyshawn's from New Jersey. I'm from New York and being an East coaster in Kansas is really kind of unheard of. How was your experience when, you know, going from being in New Jersey and then going to a big Midwestern powerhouse basketball school? How was your adjustment there? Well, the biggest adjustment for me is, is the culture shock. Like the basketball going from the school I played at to Kansas, the, the level of competition was similar. Uh, the competitiveness was similar. Uh, the way I was coached was similar. But the culture shock of just being in the Midwest, like you speak about, just not having a corner store right here or having like, I didn't even have my license when I got here. I had to get it once I got here because I took the train and the bus everywhere when I lived in New Jersey. So when I got to Kansas, I didn't even have a license. So it was just a culture shock, man. Just, I was just telling my friend the other day, the first time I came to Kansas and I landed at the airport and had to drive from Kansas City to Lawrence, it was the longest, most boring ride ever because you want to see everything that you're driving past, but there's literally nothing to see. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, why do wait for like probably 45 minutes to an hour getting from the airport to Lawrence looking at nothing? And I was just like, oh my <laughs> gosh, you know? And then I get to Lawrence and it's it's a complete different, you know, it's, it's amazing. Like everybody knew me and it was like great. Uh, it was like this little city and within this some like, I don't know, like a big city within like a small area, I guess it seems so much bigger than what it really is because of the basketball and the energy that the people have about basketball and sports in general. Um, so it just, once you get to Lawrence from Kansas City, is is good. But just that whole Midwest thing was a culture shock for me, man. So now you weren't highly recruited out of high school. And the story goes, you went to some basketball camp and you dominated, right? Yeah. And then from there, you got an invite to yeah. camp. Is that correct? Yeah, so um, that's that's pretty much the sum of it. Uh, I wasn't I wasn't being highly recruited at the time. So my sophomore year, going into my junior year, I played on a very good team in New Jersey, St. Anthony's, really good team. Uh, 
and I didn't I didn't really play that much my sophomore year going into my junior year. Now my junior my now my junior season comes and I, I get more minutes uh sophomore summer I play AAU get some confidence I go into my junior do really good we have a, another good successful high school season and then I'm going into the AAU season before my senior year and now now it's like really super important that I have to play good because I'm not being highly recruited and again I, I I mentioned about being on a really good team so all of my teammates are either committed or being highly recruited uh -huh. so I'm just like damn like, what's, you know like what's going on and 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 honestly I really just believe it's because I I went to a school that was already a powerhouse later than the other guys. They were there as freshmen. I came as a sophomore. So they had a little bit of a head start. And so when I got the invite to this camp, it was a huge camp. It was the ABCD Reebok camp, same camp that Tracy McGrady got, went to the, went to the, uh, straight, straight from that camp, pretty much to the NBA. LeBron James has played in this camp. Lance Stevenson, like all of the, all of the high school phenoms have dominated this camp. Brandon Jennings, all the guys that you can think about as high school phenom dominated this camp. At one time, it was called ABCD, Reebok Sponsor Camp. For whatever reason, Reebok and Adidas had some business that year, and it was it was a Adidas Adidas camp, or either it went from Adidas to Reebok, and it was a Reebok camp that year, and it wasn't called ABCD. But long story short, everybody who was everybody was at this camp, literally, like everybody from 2008. In a 2008, 2009 high school class, I can name a bunch of people. Drew Holiday, freaking Brandon Knight, John Wall. Like, I can name, I could go, the list and list goes on from that year. From that 2009, 2008 high school class, anybody that was, anybody was there. And I went nuts. Yeah, you were like, yeah. This is like one of the first times I wasn't playing in my high school system with other good guys. It was just kind of like, we're going to put you together with some other really good, talented guys, but it's not like a system. It's not like just go play and show us, show us what you could do. And I did everything, making making a three, getting guys involved, dunking on people. I was literally doing everything. And the night after the all-star game of that camp, so maybe the second or third night of the camp, when it was open for college colleges to talk to us, I had every college in the country on my phone that day. I talked to Roy Williams that night. I talked to Mike Krzyzewski that night. I talked to coach self that night i literally talked to every coach that night except for maybe two and i think it was one of them was villanova because i was i wanted villanova i wanted that big East school and then it was another one like uh maybe rockers or st hall maybe one of the schools that was close and i was like damn why wouldn't you reach out and they didn't <laughs> but other than that it was every other school for sure like it was crazy so now when you went on that KU visit, who were like your boys at the time that were like, yo, come ball with us at Kansas? Like who's like one of the guys that really were that like you looked up to at the time? Like, damn, all right, I'll come here. So he, he didn't notice at the time because he didn't know me. But Sharon was a player that I had watched and looked up to uh, probably for a couple of years just after seeing him in the McDonald's game, then watching him play at Kansas his freshman year and then doing really well. He had become somebody that I was familiar with on a college level because up until I started to get recruited, I watched a lot more NBA than college because I didn't have a favorite school. I didn't know many of the players. So until I started to get recruited sophomore year, junior year, I didn't really watch it. 
Um, so I didn't have a favorite school. I didn't have a favorite player. But as I started to watch it, Kansas was a team that was on a lot. North Carolina, Duke, you know, St. John's, the, the local schools. I'm watching these guys play. But Sharon was one of the guys that I just loved watching them play since that since that McDonald's game. Ty Lawson, a, a, another guy. Uh, DJ Augustine, another guy that I always watched. Um, but I loved Sharon's game. Russell, Russell Robertson was a New York guy. And yeah. I seen how he transitioned from being in high school and how he dealt with the culture shock. And he talked to me. He actually was a senior about to leave, but Coach Self asked him to be my host because he's a New York guy. It wasn't many, it wasn't many East Coast guys coming to yeah, Kansas exactly. before him. But the year that I came, I had the twins, East Coast guys. Uh, I had Mario Little, a Chicago guy, uh, who was just playing in JUCO in Florida. So he was coming from – I had uh, a guy by the name of Quintrell Thomas who came in the same year as me, who was also from New Jersey. Uh, so we was about four or five guys coming from that way when I came. So we all had to deal with it at the same time. So that helped. Um, but I didn't have any – I didn't have any, like, really close friends. All my close friends went to my high school and were all going to Big East schools. Yeah. That's why I was really kind of pissed off. <laughs> when I wasn't getting a Big East offers, I was getting all like Big Ten, Big Twelve, you know. But I wasn't getting no Big East like that. I had like Rutgers, I had like Rutgers maybe. I probably had like two or three. I had Marquette for sure because I signed there. But it wasn't like all of them. Like I wanted all yeah. of them, you know. And I didn't have all of them. But uh, funny story: the twins committed before me, and when I met with Coach Self, I told him I don't know if I want to go to Kansas and play with these guys because they they're hot headed, they feisty. <laughs> And I had I said I said this because we played against them in high school and Markeith threw a basketball at one of my teammates, like hit him in the head <laughs> with the basketball, and we was about to have like a team brawl. And so my 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 first and only impression of the twins was a team fight. And I'm like, bro, I don't want to play yeah. with these knuckleheads, you know, like and Coach Self was like, bro, these are the guys you don't want to play against, but you want to play with. I promise you, they're great teammates. And they became some of my like my best friends. Still to this day, I talk to them often. Um, so that's a funny story about almost not coming to Kansas because of guys that I thought I wouldn't want to play with and end up being my closest friends while I was here. That's hilarious. I never knew that. I've always wondered this. You and T-Rob had such good chemistry on the court. How did you guys become so clo like such close friends? Yeah, so T-Rob is younger than me. I actually was one of T-Rob's hosts. He was with the Twins. Uh, his hosts were the, were the Twins, obviously, but I was one of the guys that just was around all, all night while he was here, like his whole weekend I was around. So we, we linked up like that, just me showing him around and showing him out on his visit. Um, then when he actually committed and came, obviously he made a connection with the Twins, but we were just so close as a team that I was always around them. Or to two or three years later, when the twins are gone, it's really just me and T-Rob left from that team. And then we have a bunch of new guys. Me, T-Rob, me, T-Rob, Elijah, and Travis were left from that team. But me and T-Rob knew, like, it was our team, you know? So, we, yeah. we I mean, the chemistry that we built off the court, it, it showed on the court. It actually came out a lot better when it was just us two, you know, when we knew, okay, you got to play good and I got to play good or we won't win. Like, when that was in our head the off the court chemistry that we had, it kind of just synced perfectly on the court. Like let's say we just knew what was going to happen when it was going to happen. We also hung out a lot. So we talked about games and we talked about different things as we were going through the season, um, which also made it easier because he was actually my friend. So I was around him anyway. Exactly. You know? So question, how, you got to be honest with me here, Tyshawn, how many times, let's say a year, 
do you watch the run from 2012 and, and the games that led up to the national championship game? I'm talking North Carolina, Ohio State. How often do you watch these games and your highlights? No, no bullshit, bro. Probably once a year. And it's usually when I'm overseas and I'm missing some of the college games because the time difference and stuff, or I just need some confidence. I'm not playing well. I just need some confidence. Yeah. You know, like I just need to boost the confidence and remember who the fuck I am. <laughs> I'll always go back to like that Missouri game at the field house, or I'll always go back to that North Carolina game when I balled out. Cause that was really, honestly, that was really my only good game that tournament, but <laughs> it was really, it was a really good game that I probably got me drafted, honestly. Yeah. Uh, with obviously having a, a good season, but you know, playing well in March always helps. And that was a, such a big game um, for me and for us that I, I, I definitely think it helped with getting me drafted. But I, I watch them once a year, bro. And I, um, and that's really no. And, and it's probably it did. Excuse me. It didn't start right away, but probably two years out of school, I went back and I was like, yeah, yeah, these are lit. Yeah. What a time. Yeah, like what a time. You know what I hate? I hate how like people are like, yo, that was 10 years ago. Like, you know, stop living in the past. Dude, dinosaurs have been extinct for 65 million years. And we still talk about dinosaurs like they were just here. So it's like, why can't we celebrate things that happened only like 3000 days ago? Right. Oh, yeah. No, it's it's worse. It's worth celebrating, bro. And honestly, sometimes it gets brought up. Like sometimes I won't even be thinking about it. And then somebody will tweet me like they just watched it or tweet me an anniversary or some pack, you know, like. And then I got kids. My sons now are at the age where they're like, I Googled you or I seen yeah. you on YouTube. So now they're even pulling up shit from my archives that I'm having to like, I, 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 I was good, bro. Don't try to play me, bro. You know, like. <laughs> so now people take KU basketball very serious. Um, for the people who are listening right now who don't really understand the culture, Kansas basketball is a way of life out there, right? And these fans um, take the game very serious. Um, you know, the energy levels can be very intense. Do you have one specific fan story that you like to share of like, like, whoa, this is a crazy type of fanhood I'm dealing with? Yeah. Well, I, I have, I probably got the most fan stories about like fans being hard on me just because I was, you know, you had the ball so East much. Coast I had the ball so much, but also just my attitude, my demeanor, the East Coast attitude, a little cocky sometimes, a nonchalant and kind of like lackadaisical about my attitude sometimes. So I probably got it the worst from the fans during my time. And I had a lot to do with that just based off my attitude. But um, I, I have a I have a story that I just told recently. That's why I said my head about when we played in Maui and I, we played against Duke in the championship. And we and I and we lost, and I had like probably ten or eleven turnovers. I played bad, bro, and it was some bad turnovers. But when you watch the game tape, you realize like a lot of them were just forcing things, trying to make plays. It was probably like three or four charges that count as turnovers. Um, so it was just a bunch of like bonehead plays. Mind you, this is probably fourth or fifth game of the season. Yeah, you know, I'm a senior now. This is like a complete new role for me, having a like completely having a ball in my hands, having to play well in order for us to win. Like complete new role. I played with lottery picks the last three years. This is the first time it's just the ball's in your hand. You have to do shit, you know. So anyway, play bad. I'm already killing myself about it because obviously Maui's a huge game. Everybody's watching it against Duke. Like. We could have won, honestly, if I would have probably had two less turnovers. <laughs> but so I'm already like beating myself up. 
the next day is like Thanksgiving and we have to like eat McDonald's or something because we're traveling back from Hawaii. So it was just like a droggy, like it was just a bad next day. And I'm like reading through my Twitter and shit. And one tweet just stuck out for me still to this day, bro. One person tweeted at me like, that was such a terrible game to watch last night. I hope on the way over like the Atlantic Ocean or whichever fucking ocean we have to, <laughs> Tyshawn Taylor falls out of the plane and doesn't make it back to campus to finish the season, bro. And I was just like, damn, like. <laughs> That's got to make bro, you laugh, to though. To this day, I was just like, God damn, bro, like. These people are crazy. We're hard on you, man. We were hard on you, Tyshawn. Bro, no, seriously. And I, and I even remember having like back and forth with that person before during like years past. And I, I think I'm pretty sure it was a young girl. Pretty sure it was like a young high school girl just was probably like crazy about KU because her family was and stuff like that. And we had some back and forth before when I was like playing good <laughs> and stuff. And so that was just like, it stuck out because I remembered the name and all of that. And I was just like, that is too funny. Bro. That's classic. So let me give you one more Kansas basketball question. Then we'll jump into some fun space shit. Okay. So you played for sure. For, for sure. You, you played for a hall of fame coach, Bill Self. Um, you know, he's like a God to Kansas basketball fans. So what's one piece of uh, advice or something that he's taught you that will stick with you forever? Oh, endless basketball lessons, obviously. He improved my game and helped me get to the next level. Um, and every year as a basketball player, I got better. But I've, I've learned my most valuable lessons from Coach Self probably off the court. And one of the most, probably one of the things that stick with me the most is I remember at one point in my career, I was thinking the NBA. I was thinking the NBA. I was thinking the NBA. And he gave me this analogy as of if you don't, unpack your bags here at Kansas, you're never going to be able to pack your bags or go somewhere else and unpack your bags. And basically what he was trying to tell me is if you don't get comfortable here and buy into what's going on here, you're not going to get to the next level to even think those things that you're thinking. You know, you have to buy into what I'm telling you to the system. You have to understand that what I'm telling you works and is going to be successful for the team and yourself. And once you unpack your bags, you get comfortable and it was a, a complete analogy because I obviously was packed and unpacked and shit, but I was ready to leave. Basically, I was ready to go to the league and I was ready to get out of there. And he didn't think that I was ready. And he, he knew at the time that I, I wasn't. So basically just be in the moment and the next step will come if you succeed at what is in front of you right now. And that's, you know, that's kind of what it was for me. It's just to, to, to be in the moment, uh, go hard at whatever you're doing in that moment. And if you do see, and you don't leave nothing behind, then the chances are, the chances are higher that you succeed at that. And that will lead to something else better, you know? Um, but yeah. if you don't, if you're constantly thinking about how the fuck to get out of the situation that you're in and you're not really like, you're just thinking about ways to get out of it and not actually focus on, how to make it better or whatever it is, then chances are you won't. And that's one of the things that stuck with me as like, you know, just being a dad, you know, teaching other kids basketball, uh, teaching my son's life lessons. That's one of the things that stuck with me probably the most. You got me ready to run through a brick wall over here, my guy, damn. Yeah. You feel me? And this is the type of shit he would tell us before games and shit. And we'd be like, what? Let's go, man. Like, you know, like, how could you not, man? He, I'm pretty sure he reads books on how to like get people to, like 
do what he wants them to do, bro. As crazy as that sounds, and it's not in a bad way, obviously, because he's doing it for positive, but he has a way of getting people to buy into what he he believes. You don't have to necessarily believe that it's going to work. You don't necessarily even have to believe the theories he's spilling to you, but the proof is in the pudding, so you have to trust him and understand that he's done it so many times at such a high level that chances are it may work. You know, so just give it a fucking chance. Unpack your bags, relax, get comfortable, and let's see what happens. That's great. You know? And that is why you won four Big 12 titles in a row, baby. That's why. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. All right. Now, into some fun spaceship, because at the end of the day, this is the, space with, Spo- this is the space with Spo show, baby. Here we go. So, as humans are advancing with evolution and with science and technology, where do you see the game of basketball evolving to over the next, let's say, 50 years? Um, there will be no positions. Like, I don't think there's going to be, like, a point guard, shooting guard. I don't think there will be no positions. You got guys like Joke, the Joker from Denver leading the league in assists or something like that or averaging the most triple doubles. Uh, you got guys like Giannis who are 6'11", 6'9", 6'10", who could pretty much play any position. So basketball is positionless at this point. Um, and also, the way guys are able to shoot the three ball now, they might have to make a four-point there. Mm-hmm. And it may it may be at that half-court mark where Steph and Dame shoot so effort, 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 effortlessly from because – Guys practice that. Kids practice that. And they go out, and those are the shots they practice. And people are going to become perfectionists at it, like Dane and, and, and uh, Steph, Steph do now. And so I think that that's going to expand the game. The court may have to be bigger because of that reason. Um, I don't know. I see the game expanding in a lot of ways. I never really thought about it until right now. But as I'm watching it, I could just see the differences from when I was growing up as a kid to how the kids view the game now. And it's – it's crazy. Now, here's what's going on. The Pentagon declassified some UFO documents that basically is admitting, okay, these are unidentified aerial objects, okay? Meaning we don't know what they are. Now, what is your opinion on the videos that I sent over? And what are your immediate thoughts when you watch this? So my immediate thoughts are the government is always hiding shit from us. <laughs> so I... And I like to think that I'm some type of conspiracy theorist. So I believe that what you sent me in that video is as true as the video. Like I can see exactly what the guy recording it can see. And that shit looks crazy. Um, Yeah, like I don't know how much more to say about that. But like if I see something like that, um, I would freak out probably, you know, because with this, with the, with the like, with the freaking external shit and what's going on up there. Because sometimes I want to believe that it's, it's nothing, and sometimes I just don't. Want to, I could, I can't believe that it's nothing. Like it's, it's almost impossible to believe there's nothing else going on up there. Um, but yeah, there's either two options. It's either we're alone in the universe or we're not alone in the universe, and each option is equally as terrifying. Yeah, <laughs> seriously. No, seriously, bro. Like, I never thought about it like that, but seriously, either one is fucking terrifying because how can this place be so big and we'd be the only functioning organisms or whatever the fuck you want to call us out here? And yeah, and if they are, then that's creepy too because they're probably way different than us, bigger, stronger, 
smarter. Oh, type of shit. Oh, God. So now let me pick your brain on this. This week on the podcast, we talk about why are UFOs so chill? So they basically exist, but we know they're chill because they're not attacking us. They clearly have been here for a very long period of time. So in your mind, information. Yeah. So why do you think they're so chill? Why are they being so nice to us? It's not time to attack yet. <laughs> Gathering information. <laughs> it's not March for them. I mean, it's I mean, not March. Yeah, like it's just not. It's just not time yet. Like they're just not ready. Like they don't have what they need, or like we're not. We don't have what they need yet. Like I don't know. You know, maybe it's just not time. Maybe. Yeah, like I don't, I don't know because if I want to think about it as it being terrifying, or if I want to think about aliens being like these little green objects that's coming to like suck our brain, then yeah. But if I'm just thinking like maybe they're just as curious about what the hell's going on down here as we are, so they're just popping out to see what what's up. Then it may not. That's that might be the reason. It may be chill because they really don't have no smoke with us. <laughs> like they don't got no beef. So. They just want to see what's up, you know, um, making sure that we don't got no beef before they I love that. go crazy. I don't know, man. <laughs> oh, that's great. So now you're Tyson, you're a father and, you know, news is going to come out pretty soon. That's going to confirm the existence of UFOs. How do you plan on telling your children that aliens exist? Well, I, I don't know, man. I recently seen this video. And it was basically like all the planets and it's showing like planet, planet and how the sizes are. And then it just expands all the way out yeah. to the universe. And the video ends with like everything being like a dot, basically, like just a dot in this black place. And I, I would probably show them that video and try to show them how big Earth is compared to all of these other humongous things and try to explain to them what I think. And what I think is there's just no way the world looks so big to us and we're so small in the real aspect of it that there's nothing else looking at it like, yeah, there's like, you know, like looking at us like, yeah, that could be like a pinball machine ball or something. Like there's something out there way bigger than us for sure. We know that this planet is bigger than us and suns and shit that are 2 million freaking diameters around or whatever you know like there's huge things out there in this atmosphere stars that are just as big as us or whatever you know like like how how are we the only existing walking living breathing things in the entire universe it just doesn't make any sense <laughs> honestly it just doesn't i just waited for somebody to explain it to me but it just really doesn't make any sense it sounds like you're a space guy Honestly, bro, if you would have asked me this question two weeks ago, I wouldn't have been, bro. I've been having these conversations for probably a month now after I've seen that video. I was I was just on Twitter and, and got sent the video of this spaceship because, again, man, I, I just know the government is shitty sometimes, bro. And <laughs> I know that if there was things like that, they wouldn't tell us anyway. You know, like they, I don't I don't think they would open that information to us. Because, I mean, why would they? It's, le it's, le it's like less important shit that they haven't told us, you know? So I just feel like if they're saying that it's not, there's a chance <laughs> there is, you know? <laughs> That's kind of yeah. where I'm leaning towards. It's like there's so, there's so much bullshit going on with our government and what we don't know that if they're saying, no, there's no chance, there's no way there could be this, that, and a third, that chances are there probably is. And chances are they probably know there is. So... 
you gotta be kind of smart, man. You don't want to be like, yeah. you don't want to be what they call it these days. You don't want to be too woke, but you also don't want to be like too dumb to what's going on out here in the world, you know? And I'm kind of trying to find my balance of what I believe and what I want to believe because, you know, we getting spoon fed information, but it's the, it's the information they want us to know, which means there's a lot more information that they know that they don't want us to know. And then you start to ask yourself, why don't they want us to know this? <laughs> like, why wouldn't you tell people this stuff, you know? So, yeah, yeah man. I love that. Now, probably the biggest question of the day, the last question of the day, what do you think is the meaning of life? Um, damn, man. At different stages of my life, I probably would have different answers for this question. Um, just because you see the world in so many different ways, like as a teenage kid, I would just see like the meaning of life would be to, to take care of my family and to leave a legacy behind. That would be a, like the meaning of life for me to like, as a black man in America, if I'm born into th this world, there's only one thing for me to do is to make sure that my family is, is good and straight and to be able to leave them with more than they had when they came, you know? So for me, it's just to take care of my people and, and leave something for my people, you know, because again, being a black man in America, just got to fight for everything and, you know, go through shit that, you know, some, a lot of people don't have to go through. And so any advantage that we get, we need to take full advantage of that and be able to put your people in position so they can take advantage of those things as well. And I've been blessed enough to be able to travel, see the world, you know, be able to help my family members and move my mom to certain places that are safer and, you know, raise my kids differently than I was raised. So for me, I'm on the right track of that meaning. You get me? Um, but yeah, man, I, I guess that, I guess that for me would be the answer as a as a as a 30 year old man with with kids um who come from pretty much nothing the meaning of life would to be to 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 get to get some get a little bit of something take care of your people and leave something for your people incredible answer man that's some inspiring shit and i want to speak for all the kansas jayhawk fans out there we just want to say thank you you have brought us so much joy in our lives you don't even know man so Thank you so much for coming by the show. We really appreciate it. Now that you've been on the show, Tyshawn, you can come on anytime you want. Hell yeah, man. I'm about to be on my space shit now, bro. You got my mind opened up, bro. Hell yeah. Now, is I'm there anything? I was going to say, is there anything you want to plug? What do you got going on this year? Where are you playing? Uh, I'm not sure about playing yet, man. I actually am in Kansas City right now, maybe about to start coaching uh looking oh, into yeah. that in the, in the dallas fort worth area as well where my other son lives maybe here in kansas city uh basketball's not completely out of the question but i'm definitely looking for other things where i could be home and be more of a of a dad and uh you know i i feel like my best basketball years as far as like status wise where i could take it has ha have come i feel like i've made the most money i'll make playing basketball i've done the most i'm gonna do I still can physically get out there and play, but I feel like I could do more teaching now. I feel like I can give more back to the game now, especially having sons at the age where they're so eager to want to learn the game. Yep. Um, I feel like I'll be doing them injustice if I keep trying to play uh, to yep. do something that I've done 20 million times over and over, you know? So um, I'm, I'm leaning towards that, but uh, 
just keep a lookout, man. You know, I'll be on the blogs, man. I'll be on the net. I'll be popping up live. I'm definitely going to jump on some of your podcasts and pay attention to what you got going on, man. Again, I appreciate the invite. This was really, really dope. Um, anybody that's listening, tune in to my guy, man. And uh, yeah, keep doing your shit, boy. Thank you.